Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Kuehl Podcast. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, and I'm sorry you guys had to hear that. Well, as you can tell, solo show once again for yours truly, because Alex had something going on, I guess. We, we tried to schedule it for this Saturday morning of July the 27th because, well, we were hoping that that would work for him so he could be on the show, so he could be the your host as always, or whatever he likes to call himself these days. It's pretty much just your host. I'm going to make him say your host today because it's not as always anymore, as you can tell with me running the show once again here. But if you guys want to complain about it and tell and scream why Alex is not here, use the hashtag the Kill Podcast and tweet us at the Kill Podcast and tell us that Alex should be here or ask why he's not here because let's be honest, I'm very unclear on why he's not here either. However, it's a little bit of a road show here today because, well, I am, well, A, I'm by myself, but also I'm, uh, tra- I'm I won't say I'm, tra- I'm not traveling. I'm actually at the, at the fiance's house, Kelly, of course, who's been on the show before. I'm at her house for the weekend. So I said, like, I got to do the show. And she's like, okay, do the basement. And I'm like, ah, yes, doing shows in basements. That's what we're the best at here at the Kiel Podcast. So that's where we are today of course be sure to check out our friends at the downtown sports network a lot of good shows coming up here obviously football season around the corner a lot of nfl content for you football fans there's also racing formula one nascar all that's also in season right now also soccer or football for our good friends anywhere other than united states so be sure to check them out downtownsports.com at dt sports network on the tweeters we got a little bit of arbitration week here. This has been a fairly busy week for third-party arbitrators and teams trying to figure out what to pay certain players. Not obviously huge, big-name players, at least this year. Unlike we had Jacob Truba last year with the Winnipeg, or last couple years at least with the Winnipeg Jets and Cody CC with the Ottawa Senators and so on and so forth. Of course, Cody CC already signed by the Maple Leafs for four point five million dollars. Something that Sid Sixero on Tim and Sid before he went for vacation a few weeks ago was kind enough to mention that that was stupid. Thank you, Sid, for speaking for all of us, preaching to the choir here. But it has really been, it's, I, don't, I hate to say the, use the word slow week, but it is late July. And August could be pretty rough until the very end of August. Let's put it, let's be honest. That's why we're probably going to do our angry August episodes once again starting next week. It feels like it's been so long, too. You know, we've we've been doing the show fairly regularly, and we think we did the show, what, last Thursday? About a week and a couple days. If we're going to, I will say this right now, depending on how my work schedule goes with my broadcasting and so on and so forth, I'm going to try to do two shows a week. One of them probably be with Alex, the other one by myself, because as you guys have, when you guys in the regular season see, there's so much stuff that goes on all the time. There's, you know, we, we would talk about, you know, one, you know, a couple games here and there, how teams look after one week and then boom, something crazy happens or an injury happens. We don't talk about it for the next week. You know, obviously, like I said, schedule permits that. And sometimes we can't do two shows a week, but for your guys' information, we're going to try to do two shows a week, or at least I will. Alex will be part of one. I'll probably be part of the other. So once again, the title of your host, as always, will be wiped off the floor. So we'll be having, well, that's just the idea. And if you guys like that idea, 
tell us. Hashtag the Kill Podcast. Tell us that you want more from us. Or if you want less from us, which is uh, most impossible at this point, you can tell us as well, which that case will just probably ignore you. Unlike how Max Domi did not ignore me on Twitter. <laughs> Max Domi, I was, he was talking about, Ray Allen went on, had an interview, talked about how play, kids need to learn how to lose and whatever, and, you know, participation trophies are, you know, kind of ignorant at this point. And then Max Domi commented on it saying, you know, how to lose, whatever, uh, you know, talking about the kids need to know how to lose and how to fight through losing and stuff like that. Unfortunately, he didn't type losing correctly. He typed like loosing L with two O's, which obviously is incorrect. So I, 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 I kind of called him out, which was funny. Cause I'm like, ah, I'm like Max, I love the message, but boy, spell check is a problem. And then of course people commented, Oh my gosh, you call that a pro hockey player. You're so cool. Probably the first time I ever was yelled at for, you know, on Twitter for speaking out, I guess. Is that what it's like to be popular on Twitter and people saying that you're awful and people that you don't know what you're doing, that you're underqualified and you should never talk about a pro athlete because you never were one? Is that a thing? Is that is that a thing I should get used to? I mean, I haven't I've never experienced it. I don't know if I mean, how do you get a blue check mark these days? Is that does that qualify? If I just screenshot that, send it to Twitter and say, "Hey guys, someone called me out for for being a turd, for being a troll," as someone actually said, does that get me an opportunity to be a blue get a blue check mark next to my name, blue check mark next to the show's name? Would that be great? Can I do that? If that's what it takes, shoot. Maybe people will actually people will actually pay attention to us if we have a blue check mark, and not be some thought as some burner account or something like that. Even though we have pictures on our Twitters, so we can't necessarily be burner accounts. Hmm. Food for thought for this week, I guess I could say, but I, then Max Domi actually was kind of to comment back at me and tweet, quote tweeted me, he said, I'm like, oh yeah, sorry about that, what, what are you going to do, spell check, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, I guess why not, hey, this is a formal invert invitation, it's a formal invitation to get Max Domi on the show. Max, if you're listening, hey, I should also announce that I'm now one of the contributing writers, beat writers for the Montreal Canadiens for the Hockey Writers, the online publication, very famous online publication. So, hey, Max, you want to talk on the show? Want to talk about the Habs? Talk about this upcoming season? Talk about the promising year that the Habs could have? Talk about your career? Talk about your dad wearing Habs gear, which offends everyone in Leafs Nation? Yeah, you know what, come on, it'd be cool. You know, we chit-chat, you know, have a cup of coffee, have a beer together, I don't know. Whatever you want to do, Max, it's on your terms. You just got to tweet us back at the Kuehl Podcast or tweet me at TJKU29. We'll hit up and have a good conversation, have a little convo. And this is where he, every I lose probably all of you thinking, oh my gosh, he's trying to get pros on the show, it ain't going to happen. Well, you're probably right, probably won't happen. I'll just tweet him back and say, like, hey, you know, Max, if you ever want to come out, that'd be awesome. You know, it'd be great. But other than that, other than my own personal ego getting boosted like a tire pressure gauge, let's talk some signings going on. Arbitration season is in full swing right now after all the big free agents get signed and all the RFAs. Well, most RFAs, Mitch Marner, have been signed. Some players who think they're a little bit more than what the teams think they are worth had to have a conversation about what they should be paid. There have been a few that have, I don't want to say avoided arbitration or have gone through, but there are a couple, there were a couple notable ones that went through arbitration already. 
that was settled within arbitration. One in particular from the Winnipeg Jets and one of the three players we always talked about, Kyle Connor, Patrick Liney, and Andrew Kopp. Andrew Kopp signing his deal for two years for $2.28 million. Not, not egregious, you know? And obviously in a team, like I said, the Jets have a lot of cap space, but that's because they have to sign Kopp, Connor, Liney. But... You know, the, the Jets, of course, were going to lowball. They were looking for around 1 to 1.5. And, you know, Andrew Kopp, I mean, these a lot of these arbitration contracts, before I get too far into Andrew Kopp, these contracts are more or less, here, pay me this, and I'll, in a year or two, when this contract ends, I'll be double this. I'll be what I actually want. Because Cop was looking, he was wanting them around three, a little above three million dollars, as you should. You know, you always want more than what you're offered. You know, when you're doing a sales gig, you're not going to ask for the low end. You're going to want the high end. If you're asking, you know, if you're in marketing or going into sponsorship, you don't want to get, you know, you don't want a prospective sponsor to go, oh, we're only going to pay this amount of money. No, I want you to pay this high amount of money. So you guys have to meet in the middle. So Andrew Cop gained two point two eight. That's a fair deal, I'd say. Cop, who has only in his tenure with the Jets had a career high of 28 points, not last year, however, the year before when he played the full year with the Jets. However, was at a really good pace last year. Only played 69 games, though, due to injuries and others, scoring 25 points. So he does have an upside, and he wants to play more. He can play big minutes. I just feel like he's so young. Because don't forget, only a few years ago, he was still playing at the University of Michigan. So... I'm intrigued to see how this year will go for him in terms of, you know, he's got a couple years to prove that he is a three, five, four million dollar hockey player. He definitely has the ability, he has the talent. He just, like I said, he hasn't been able to produce as much. So I think as he, get, he continues to get better, because let's be honest, he could have easily been a 35, 40 point guy last year had he played a full season. So It'll be interesting to see where he gets put in the lineup this year. The Jets, they may take a little bit of a dip this year. Who knows? You know, they lost Ben Sherratt. They lost Jacob Truba on the back end. Will Connor Hellebuck have a bounce back year? The Jets are a huge question mark this year for me. With the resurging Hawks, the Blues will pretty much be the same if they can pull it off again. Bennington's still there in goal. You have the Minnesota Wild, who are kind of stacking up a little bit. Will their goaltending be good? You have Dallas, who's who I don't know with Dallas. Will Ben Bishop get hurt? Will Ben Bishop be a Vesna candidate again? The Central Division is going to be extremely tough this year. You could easily see Winnipeg be hanging on for a wild card spot this year, you know? And even Nashville, you know, they're kind of, I don't say they're offloading players. I mean, P.K. Subban in particular, but that window may be closing because you have, you know, Pecorino is getting older. The back end ain't getting any younger. And of course, you really, all you really have left now Ryan Ellis, Eckholm. It you when you lose Subban is tough, but of course losing Subban obviously was more of a cap dump more than anything. He was it's debatable whether or not Subban is a player that can make nine million dollars and be a nine million dollar player. But Yossi, Ellis, Eckholm, those are pretty much your top three now. But Nashville could easily take a dip. Winnipeg could be battling for a wild card spot with Nashville. It's a wide open central because you don't know who's going to step up. Colorado is going to be there. You know that for sure. So I'm intrigued to see how that goes. Winnipeg, they, I mean, you need to sign your top guys. And it's hard to suspect that Patrick Liney is going to take a dip like he did again last year. He's got to turn it around. He has, I mean, he's a very one dimensional player, agreed. 
He shoots. He scores. That's his game. He's not a de- he's a defensive liability. As I'll get out, but he can produce still. And Dustin Bufflin on the back end, yeah, he's a little slower. He was injured a lot last year with lower body. Of course, everyone remembers that uh, the ankle injury that kept him out for an extended period of time. A very egregious looking ankle injury at that. But you know, he's he can still put up big minutes. It's going to be tough in the Central this year. You I mean you could easily be a top, you could be a team that's battling for the division title, or you could be a team that's, you know, geez, in a lottery pick. Who knows? So it'll be interesting to see where Winnipeg goes from there. The other notable arbitration signing, at least that went to arbitration, Evan Rodriguez of the Buffalo Sabres signing a one-year contract worth $2 million. Evan Rodriguez, a little bit under the radar, an extremely, extremely good at face-offs. He is one of the best face, in my eyes, one of the most underrated guys in the face-off circle on the face-off dot in the NHL. He, and I noticed this, of course, when you, I mean, when the Leafs are playing him four times a year, you see how good he is in those scenarios, just how simple his game is. He, his face-off percentage last year was 46.41. So it doesn't, the, the numbers overall do not stand out. However, his, I don't say his style, but his technique and how he goes into a faceoff is what puts him among the best. Very comparable to Patrice Bergeron. However, Rodriguez is not the biggest point getter, I'd say. He did have a career high last year with 29 points on a Buffalo Sabres team that took a humongous dip. And his numbers kind of took a bit of a dip as well because remember, he only played. 48 games the year before, and scored 25 points in 2018 with the Buffalo Sabres. So I am intrigued to see how he's going to continue to improve. Another full season with Buffalo. He's going to play possibly top six minutes. He'll probably sit on the third line, but he has room to go up to the top six. He may get some minutes with VC. Doubtful at play with Eichel, unfortunately, because Eichel's a center as well. So I... I'm intrigued to see where he goes, Is what kind of role he's going to be put in. Will his game evolve into a more of a scoring? Will he be a more defensive center? But really, his strengths start off on the faceoffs, And that's where, I mean, that's where his worth is. Don't forget, Tyler Bozak is making $5 million right now with the St. Louis Blues for being a faceoff specialist and a shootout specialist. Just remember that. Who, all of a sudden, is on the penalty kill. I don't know. But, you know, he's kind of betting on himself, doing a one-year deal. He wanted, he was asking for around... A little, a little less than three. The Sabres are willing to give him like one and a half, I think the number was, according to Elliot Friedman. So getting that nice little median gives an opportunity to say, hey, I may just be this you know, third line, fourth line center grinder kind of a player. I don't say grinder, but I, I, I say grinder as in like a muck and grind, like a Zach Hyman. Zach Hyman's not a physical beast. He doesn't lay the body like crazy. But he works hard in the corners. And Rodriguez is that kind of a player too. He likes to get in there. He doesn't have the he doesn't have big size at all. Standing currently only at five foot ten, 176 pounds. But the way he's in the faceoff circle, that's the way his game can be. Even though he is listed by as a winger, he did do a lot of centering over the last couple of years with the Buffalo Sabres. Arbitration that still needs to actually, pardon me, we do not have that. There was one more arbitration signing that happened this morning, probably about a good half hour before this, before I started recording this episode. David Riddich, big save Dave, settling with the Calgary Flames before his 
arbitration hearing that was supposed to, I believe, happen on Monday. Settling with Calgary Flames, two years, $2.75 million, which pretty much means it's going to be him and Talbot with the Flames this year. So you're looking at a combined with Talbot, you're going to have two goaltenders at $5.5 million because Talbot's on a one-year $2.75 million contract. That's not bad at all. Having two goaltenders for a little over five, Talbot, who has been a starter before in the NHL, yeah, last couple of years, ever since that Vesna caliber year he had in his first year in Edmonton, he hasn't been the best. He's had some injuries here and there. And now you got Big Save Dave coming in, possibly having an opportunity to help back him up. And they, they could easily split, I'd say maybe, you know, 50 30, 50, you know, 51 31, I guess you want to get super technical on the games played. But you would expect Talbot to play the bulk of the games and Riddick be able to step in when he needs to, which happened a lot last year. You know, Mike Smith played a good number of games, but when he slumped a little bit, Big Save Dave came in and, well, he earned the name Big Save Dave for a reason. He was able to go in there, and of course, with the heavy offense the Flames had up front, that was a real big talking point, of course, with the Flames of having having their offense and their play in front of them. That's what, don't forget, if you have two of the worst goaltenders in the league, your defense has to be good. Mark Giordano, there's a reason why he won the Norris Trophy this year. Of course, big news coming out of Calgary. I almost forgot to mention this. Calgary Flames, new arena deal. They have finally settled on what they want to do to get a new arena because obviously the Saddle Dome has been, there has been a lot of talk about whether or not they're going to do it because Saddle Dome is definitely aging. So finally, they have, over the past week, have been able to settle on a deal. The idea is that the Flames are going, it's going to be split down the middle between the city and the Flames ownership. $275 million a piece, 50-50. At least that was reported this past week. And, you know, it looks kind of funny. People were saying it looks like kind of like a very advanced, like, Sobeys. Sobeys, and for you non-Canadian folk, is a grocery chain, you know, like a, I don't say like a Walmart. I guess for people in Michigan, it's like a Kroger, something like that. You know, it's very simple. It's, it's or a Pruvix if you're down south in Florida, I guess you can say. I'm trying to find comparisons. But it's going to be a new state-of-the-art arena. This is a, obviously, it's been going on for years now negotiations, you know, the Flames say, we're not going to pay for it, make the city pay for it, and the city's like, we're not going to pay for it, and back and forth, away they go, so they split 50-50, which is good, finally, at least they're near the deal, I don't know if it's been officially signed yet, but at least the Flames have a future, obviously building and all that has yet to be determined on how long it's going to take, when they're going to start it, so on and so forth, but Calgary, you still have a home, you're not moving <laughs> to another city like people were threatening to, of course, that also happened with the Oilers. They said they were going to Seattle. So, yeah, I don't know. I can tell you, those were some weird years for the Oilers. Before they got Rogers Arena, that was, they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to Seattle. We're going to move. Of course, that was just all, you know, business ploy, you know, trying to say, ah, they're going to fold and they're going to pay for it. And they did. And Edmonton ended up paying for it. But Calgary said, we're not going to fall for it. So at least the city and the team were able to find a happy median. Back to contracts. Colton Sissons was able to avoid arbitration with the Nashville Predators, signing a seven-year deal 
worth around an average of $2.86 million a year. I recently wrote about Colton Sissons in one of my trial posts with the hockey writers talking about he's possibly a player that the Canadians should look at possibly offer sheeting because he wouldn't be an expensive contract. And of course, yes, the Predators did have a little bit of cap space, but if you can offer him a little bit more, he's a he's a very solid role player. And I was saying about 3, 3.5, because, well, when you're offer sheeting someone, you have to kind of raise the bar up to make the team not want to pay for it. Clearly, this is where Colton, and that would have been where Colton Sissons was looking for. He was going to look for around 3-ish, but he was able to settle with a team at 2.86. Still a very fair number, at least for Sissons. Very, very good player. He got a lot of time, of course, remember in the 2017 Stanley Cup run with second line center, which, e that's when you're going up against the Pittsburgh Penguins, death down, depth down the middle, not death, depth with a P in there, enunciate Tyler. I really like this signing. It's a very fair contract for the Predators. It's a fair contract for Sissons. However, the kicker where the Preds probably got this one is that seven-year deal. If Colton Sissons' game continues to improve, that 2.86 is going to look like a steal by the time 2027-2028 comes around. So, or pardon me, 2027. Yes, that's when the contract would end. That is a very, very fair contract for the Predators because this is a guy that can continue to evolve. He's really good on the faceoff dot. Very, he can chime in with points. His, his offensive production continues to grow. He's going to get a lot more big minutes, I believe, this year. Maybe with, obviously, Matt Duchesne stepping in there, he may take a little bit of a dip, but Peter Laviolette likes the way his game is. He's going to continue to put him out there when he needs to, probably in more of a shutdown role. It's going to be a big year for Sissons, and obviously now with that contract, you're going to have to step up and prove you're worth that kind of money. But, man, I think David Poyle wins this. I think he wins this deal in terms of how good Sissons is going to be, how he's going to continue to progress. If he can stay healthy, if he can continue to produce, continue to progress, he is going to be a very, very important piece of this Nashville team moving forward. Sam Bennett also avoids arbitration with the Calgary Flames. $2.55 million. Very, I don't say fair deal, because it could have been less. If I mean, the Flames wanted less. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they wanted to go for two. Because Sam Bennett came out of junior with a lot of praise. He was a player that everyone was talking about. He could have been a big deal. He scored four goals against the Panthers a few years back. But it seemed like his game just has kind of taken a dip. He's been playing a lot of third line. He he wasn't he wasn't producing the player, involving into the player that everyone thought he was going to be. And of course, Brian Burke was part of the organization when he came in there with Bradshaw Living, and they all had high expectations for this young kid. And it just doesn't seem like it's worked out. So I believe, you know, 2.55, this gives, this could be Bennett's real last shot with the Calgary Flames. Because if it doesn't work out, I mean, you know, he's going to try to ask for more, but if he does, if the end of not this, not this coming season, but the season after, and what could be a possible lockout year, Sam Bennett's really got to step up if he wants to prove he's worth any form of money because he could be a fourth liner by the end of his contract. A perennial fourth liner. And unfortunately, the way his game is, the, the style that he plays, he's not really a fourth line guy. He's not a guy that can go in there and play a shutdown role or grind out some minutes and play tough hockey. He's a, he's a guy that is a talent, came out of junior as a talented goal scorer, as a talented offensive production player. But this is a guy that has not been able to do that. So we'll see how that how he goes 
with this two-year deal with the Calgary Flames. Oscar Sundquist also avoids arbitration with the St. Louis Blues. Four years at $2.75 million. Now, where I say Sam Bennett's a kind of a player that he needs to produce to be able to show how good he is, Oscar Sundquist does not need to do that. He can chime in from points from time to time. However, we saw how he was with the St. Louis Blues in the playoffs last year on the way to the Cup, his kind of a game. Now, yes, his hit on Matt Grizzlick was a little egregious for the headshot, but hey, like I said, Tom Wilson beat that into him. Hey, oh, there we go. Moving on forward. Sunquist is a kind of a player that can get, he played that third, fourth line role perfectly. He went in the corners, he played hard. Don't forget, he's still making less than Zach Hyman, or making more, excuse me, than Zach Hyman of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, this is a contract that the Blues obviously expect him to produce offensively, hoping he scores a little bit more. However, they understand that he's going to be a physical presence. He's going to be a guy that's going to go into the corners hard and have to work to get those points. And they're going to try to reward him for it with this $2.75 million contract. Four years as well, which if he continues to become the player that he was projected to be, that $2.75 million at the end of it is going to look very good for the Blues. That's the kicker about these arbitration contracts. The teams look to sign for what they are now. And the player wants to sign for what they should be, what they could be. Sunquist probably wants three and a half, four million dollars. Absolutely. But the Blues say, well, you're not quite there yet. So we're going to give you four years to really show that you can be it. We'll go up a little higher than our number than we want it to. But hey, by the end of it, you could be worth three and a half. You could be worth four million dollars. So I think Sunquist, I, I like... I like his game. I like how tough the kid is and the fact that he does have the knack to put the puck in from time to time. He could be a real perennial. He could be a power forward in this league, in a league where power forwards are kind of going by the wayside. He'd be a new, I guess you could say he'd be like a new addition of the power forward in today's game. Not quite a Tom Wilson, because obviously Tom Wilson's just big, bulky, elbows up, nonsense, high hitter. But a guy that's going to go hard in the corners, fast, speed, not afraid to take the body, not afraid to give the body, but able to make the play and score and create offense. Doesn't need to be the big hulking Cam Neely type. Doesn't need to go around trying to fight somebody. No, Sunquist goes in there hard and hits, kind of like a Leo Komarov. Except Leo Komarov, if his visor was tilted down, didn't have a great mustache, and wasn't 20 years older making a stupid amount of money with the Islanders. Sorry, a little, little bit of a rant there. I apologize. So that's pretty much it for arbitration. We'll get into Jacob Truba here in a second. He technically avoids arbitration, but he wasn't going to go in there. Anyways, some hearings that still remain, some notable ones. Anton Forsberg with the Cal- Carolina Hurricanes. That'll be happening on the 4th of August. That's probably going to be a tough one because obviously Carolina has two goaltenders now with Marezic coming back and the addition of James Reimer after they traded for him. So... It's going to be tough because, you know, Forsberg's going to want more, especially if he's going to be sitting in the minors. Will Butcher of the New Jersey Devils, that's going to be on the 2nd, August 2nd. That's going to be an interesting one because Will Butcher, he's a very talented young defenseman and on a team that is looking like a playoff team now. You add P.K. Subban, you draft Jack Hughes, you get, you have to be intrigued. I mean, Butcher's going to want more, obviously, but now the I'm sure Ray Shiro's sitting like, listen, Will, we have a team. We, we just took on $9 million of P.K. Subban's contract. All of it. No retainment. Nothing. 
That's the reason why the Devils made the, that's why David Poyle made the deal with the Devils because they're taking the full 9 million off the books. So you got to explain to Will that you're a very talented young player. However, obviously this team, they're looking, they're, they want to win now. I'm going to say by win now, I mean be a playoff team now. However, they still want to be ready for the future. This team is not going to be an overnight success. So let's, you know, maybe you'll look at probably a couple year contract worth a few million dollars, not as much as Will wants and a little more than probably the Devils want to give in the first place. But you have to find that median. And if Will Butcher is a team player that I'm sure Ratio is hoping he is, that he meets and agrees, and they uh, they probably want to settle before arbitration, which August the second will be. If I look at my dates correctly, it'll be next Friday. Other one on August the second will be Linus Allmark of the Buffalo Sabers, goaltender who backed up and actually backed up for for the first half of the year, backed up Carter Hutton rather admirably. He had he played some good minutes and actually is a very talented goaltender. Played a lot with Rochester over the last couple of years. And he'll probably want a fair deal for him to be the backup. Who knows how much they're going to want to give a backup goaltender, especially with the huge question mark as Carter Hutton looked good in the first half of the year and the second half just fell off a cliff along with the rest of the Sabres. Speaking of Buffalo, on August the 4th, there's a scheduled arbitration hearing for Jake McCabe on defense, a defense core for Buffalo that still is questionable. With There was talks that Rasmus Ristolainen was going to be on the move. They still have, of course, Rasmus Dahlin back there, who's going to probably play bigger minutes, I would presume. Jake McCabe will probably be sitting on the third pair. So another guy that you don't want to pay a whole lot, but probably wants more just because, hey, more money. That's what everyone wants. However, more money, more problems, right? And the last notable one, Joel Edmondson of the St. Louis Blues on defense. That'll also be on Sunday the 4th. Why would you want to have an arbitration on a Sunday, honestly? Like we said, we're recording this episode today on a Saturday. You think I'm going to be doing anything tomorrow morning? I'm going to wake up when the sun breaks, which will, well, with my luck, I'll still probably wake up at 6 because that's just how my body, unfortunately, works. But I'm going to sleep in, relax. Nobody wants to get up and go to put on a suit, go into a conference room, and talk contracts and argue that you should make this much, he should make that much. Nobody wants to do that. Where is the fun in that? That's not a Sunday. Sunday's meant for relaxing, having some snacks, watching the races, watching some football. Obviously, football hasn't happened yet, but football, well, I guess there's CFL. CFL is more of a Thursday, Friday type deal, at least for me, Thursday night football, Friday night football. There are games on Saturdays, I know, and sometimes on Sundays. But anyways, the point of the matter is that it's odd. Joel Edmondson, uh, once again, another ladder and four or second, third pairing defenseman. Probably get a few million dollars because why? You're a Stanley Cup champion. That's how it works. You, make, you win the Stanley Cup, you get a ring on, your value goes up. Just for no real particular reason. That's just how it works, it seems like, these days. That's pretty much for arbitration this week. Obviously, we'll probably have more finalized numbers at the end of this, at the end of next week. Those are probably the only few. In terms of out of those five, I would say Will Butcher. Well, I think Will Butcher will settle before next week, as did David Riddick, of course. I believe Anton Forsberg will probably go to arbitration because he's going to want enough money to figure Say, if you're going to pay me to sit in the minors... You know, who knows? They may actually end up trading him. Who knows? Because Forsberg has been a goaltender that's proven he can play in the NHL from time to time, but does anybody want him is the question. Hey, you know what? 
the Columbus Blue Jackets need a backup goaltender. Why? Why not reunite him with Doris Coprasala? That'd be interesting. Linus Allmark may, I think Linus Allmark will settle before, as will Jake McCabe. So only a few guys have really gone to arbitration so far. So far, there have only been three that have actually gone to arbitration. That's Andrew Kopp, Christian Juice of the Washington Capitals, and Evan Rodriguez. So those are the only three thus far. Like I said, still some more arbitration hearings to come, including guys like Rocco Grimaldi from Nashville, Remy Ellie of Buffalo, another one for Buffalo for them to worry about. And, of course, like I said, Will Butcher. And that's pretty much it for players that have filed for arbitration, that is. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Of course, like we said, the one we're going to talk about, Jacob Truba signing a seven-year contract with the New York Rangers worth $8 million a year. Fair deal. This was the kind of money that he was asking for in Winnipeg but was not going to get simply because of the fact that Kevin Sheveldayoff knew that the Winnipeg Jets did not have a whole lot of money. So Truba, of course, kind of, I don't say orchestrating the deal, but making it clear that he wanted to go to the States because of his girlfriend and her nurse studies, which, as a guy that's going to be married soon, admir- you know, it's, I admire that, you know, trying to understand that, yes, your career is important, as is hers. Very important. Especially if you have a working relationship, you need that. You need two parties that are happy with what they're doing. But, of course, compromises indeed. So, obviously, she would not be able to study her nursing in Canada because she'd have to get a special student permit or, yes, a student permit, I believe it would be, which can be difficult, By dif- which could be, I mean, very is difficult. As someone who was looking to go into school in Canada, personally, I know how hard that is. But, fair deal. You know, he's going to be a top guy. He's going to be on the top pair for the Rangers. And, similar to the Devils, Rangers are going to be a team to watch out for. You're going to have Adam Fox playing, finally getting up to the NHL. Will he be a Jimmy VC bust? I'm not sure, but it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. But the way Truba's game is, I, he's just a very he can be very he's very capable in his own end. But he runs the power play so well. The Rangers are getting a real good piece here, and we talked about it when he got traded in the first place. And the eight million dollars is fair, I believe. You know, whether or not he's at that at the end of his contract, no, who knows? I, I The way the game is nowadays, players are getting older quicker. They're getting outdated a lot faster. Let's put it this way. Patrick, 10 years from now, you will not see guys like Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton trying to financial contracts, at least at their age, just because of how the game is changing and evolving. Will Jacob Truba be an $8 million defenseman by the 2026? Probably not. That's just how the game is going to turn. So... Obviously, Truba's looking for his future, signs that contract thinking the fact that, well, I need to make this money because money's important in life. You need to survive. You need to make money to be able to live. And I believe most people can live off $8 million a year pretty fairly, pretty easily, I would I would think. you know, I don't know what kind of expenses there are. I know there's other taxes. I know there's NHL taxes and you know stuff like escrow and all that other stuff. So... $8 million may not seem like a lot to some players, but Truba is definitely worth $8 million in today's game. So good for him. And I believe, you know, like I said, the Rangers and the Devils, man, the, the Flyers as well, Metro Division, they may not be the best teams in the NHL, but boy, is that division going to be fun to watch. The real, that's pretty much it for signings, I guess we can say, but the real big deal, 
last Friday that happened between the two Alberta teams. The two Alberta teams making a trade? What? You can know that Al McGinnis and Gary Roberts and sitting there with Paul Coffey and Glenn Anderson are saying, what in the world is going on around here? Calgary and Edmonton making a deal together. Let me tell you right now, Kenny Holland, Brad Trilliving, we have to have a talk. This is not right. It's like the Yankees and the Mets making a trade or the Yankees and the Red Sox making a trade. You don't do that. It's like the Lansing Lugnuts and the West Michigan Whitecaps making a trade. Hello, all you Michigan minor league baseball fans. Nobody does that. Well, they did. Milan Lucic for James Neal. James Neal famously known for scoring seven goals last year with the Calgary Flames' highly-powered offense. For Milan Lucic, who somehow scored more than James Neal. It was initially reported as a one-for-one. However, it changed as Calgary Flames acquired a 2020 conditional third-round pick from the Oilers with Lucic. And the conditions are if the pick is transferred, if James Neal scores 21 goals, and Milan Lucic scores 10 or fewer goals than Neal, which is pretty much saying Neal has to score 21, and Lucic has to score less than 12. Pretty much is what it means. The big kicker is that the Edmonton Oilers retain 200 or excuse me, 12.5% of the, of the $6 million contract, which means $750,000 is being retained by the Oilers, which means along with James Neal's $5.75 million contract, they are paying a grand total of $6.5 million. That is... You know, if you want to look at the fact that this, James Neal's contract goes through 2023, Milan Lucic's through 2024. So what, you're losing a year? I, I, there was a criticism when Kenny Holland was in Detroit was the fact that his his mindset his the way he was working was getting a little little over a little passe I guess you can say he was a little old school of thought. You are acquiring James Neal, who does have, at least from this reporter's broadcaster's perspective, has a more upside than Milan Lucic. Milan Lucic is a one dimensional player skate and hopefully hit somebody because guess what he's not good for anything else okay and banging rebounds James Neal actually has talent James Neal is a capable hockey player last year he was just had a very unfortunate season his year did not go well and only scored seven goals 19 points but Neal has been a guy that really has not put up overly large numbers now yes in 2012 he put up 81 points with the Penguins and he put up 61 points couple years later in 2014, but he's never hit the 60-point mark since. Why is he worth 5.75? Is because he can score goals. He scored 31 goals in his first year with the Predators. In his second year, when the team went to the Cup final, he put up 23. Gets selected by Vegas in the expansion draft. Helps the team to the Stanley Cup final for the second year in a row. At least where he, at least pardon me. He was in the finals for the second year in a row. Excuse me. 25 goals as well. How do you go from 25 to 7? You have a little bit of a dry spell. He was injured for a little bit. Couldn't quite find the chemistry as he did in Vegas and Nashville. So maybe moving to Edmonton, there could be some possibility for improvement. Now remember, Lucic was putting on McDavid's wing for some reason. was grinded out. Just McClellan thought that was a great idea. And it clearly didn't work out. Now you put James Neal on that wing. You put him on a side where... 
He's a capable hockey player. He's a guy that can produce, a guy that can score. Okay. He may not be as fast as McDavid. By the way, that I mean nobody's as fast as McDavid. But you're able to put him out there now and show that, hey, you put him on his wing, he can put the puck. He still has that scoring touch. He just couldn't find the chemistry. If he can click with McDavid, as he clicked back with the Knights, back with the Predators, back what he did playing with the Penguins, you could easily see James Neal putting up 30 goals. And that $5.75 million contract is looking pretty good. Calgary getting Milan Lucic, literally that's Kenny Holland just trying to get rid of that deal. I don't know what Cal, I don't, Living, he should have asked for more. He should have won more in return. Because now, granted, yes, that pick is going to go to Calgary. Because, like I said, if Neal is able to produce with McDavid or with the Oilers' offense, as he should, there's no question that third, conditional third is going to go to the Flames. Because Milan Lucic, I don't know where you're going to put him, but if, if James Neal can't score at that lineup, Milan Lucic will not score at that lineup. Unless he just sits there in front of the power play and Calgary gets 10 power plays a game. That's the only way that's going to work. But this could be a, a resurgence for James Neal with the talent that the Oilers have up front, the speed they are going to have. He can be a guy that can produce. Now, I'm not saying the Oilers are going to be a playoff team next year. I'm not saying that. However, I'm saying that James Neal's numbers should go up if he can stay healthy, if he can keep up with McDavid, if he can regain that scoring touch he had from a couple years ago. He can be a guy that's actually worth that amount of money that he was signed on for in the first place. You got to like his game. And it's it, this deal has been won by the Oilers because of the potential that Neil has. Now, yes, is it hard to look at a guy who is 31 years old and say he has potential? Yes, it sounds a little odd. However, compared to what it was last year, because let's be honest, when I first heard that Neil was going to the Flames, I immediately thought, wow, this could really bite Calgary back in the butt because they were signing him for 20, they were signing him after he put up the points with Vegas. They were signing him through 2023. That's a lot of money. But it's just a contract that with with the team the way the, the Flames are compared to the Oilers, it just didn't seem like it was going to work. Neil was able to chime in playing with those younger players in Vegas, because they're the wild, speedy guys that are just having fun and just give the puck to Neil. He's got the scoring touch. Well, they thought that was going to work in Calgary. And for some reason, it just felt like when he first signed him, like that's a lot of money to be given him for a guy that may not put up 30 goals. But now with McDavid and the fact that McDavid can find, listen, if Wayne Gretzky can make Dave Semenko look good, Connor McDavid can look, make James Neal look good. And now Oilers fans are screaming, well, yeah, what about G- Milan Lucic? Milan Lucic is not a hockey player. <laughs> He's less of a hockey player than Dave Semenko was. I'm, Yeah, quote that. You can quote that right there. I don't care. Because Milan Lucic is an absolute plug. Dave Semenko at least had a role to play on a team. Milan Lucic just glides around a few times every game for some stupid reason. He was allowed on the ice. I don't know. I don't know what Ken Hitchcock was thinking or McClellan, or anyone before that, whoever thought Milan Lucic was a capable hockey player. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Claude Julian. The fact of the matter is, though, James Neal is going to put up 20, 25 goals minimum this year. Easily. Just because of who he's going to play with, the amount of ice time he's going to get, and if he can stay healthy, they're going to be fine. I like the way the Oilers are shaping up here at least with adding 
and actual offensive talent and offloading that awful McDavid or McDavid Lucic contract. If Alex were here, he'd say an awful McDavid contract, but that's for another time. Moving on to a little bit of lighter side stuff here, kind of out of the business side of the game and out of the nitty gritty. Nitty gritty, no pun intended for our Philadelphia Flyers fans. By the way, gritty in the new game of NHL. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But P.K. Subban was introduced properly to the New Jersey Devils fans, had a little bit of a nice big presser at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. No, not New York, Newark. Subban was being interviewed and talked, and and he's showing how excited he was playing for the Devils. He's so excited to play for the New Jersey Devils. He said people have been asking him, what's, you know, you're going to be living near New York, near New York. And then he says, quote, I'm playing for New Jersey. He's trying to separate the fact that, oh, he's living near a big city. No, I'm playing for the Devils. He's not playing for the Rangers. Yeah, he's not playing in Long Island for the Islanders. He's playing for New Jersey. Now, yes, New Jersey is on the MSG network, but he wants to make it clear that he knows he's going near a big city, but he's not playing for the big city. He's playing for New Jersey, which has already garnered him a following with Devils fans, you know, the 12,000 that show up to the games. But one of the highlights, if you will, he was asked to look up at the banners in the Prudential Center. And he looks up and says, wow, look at Yeah, there's a lot of banners up there. And he, and he said, quote, legit banners, Stanley Cup banners. Throwing absolute shade on the National Predators. Remember, of course, the National Predators, famous for creating banners for the Western regular season championship and the President's Trophy. Well, President's Trophy championship was fine. President Trophy winners in 2018, that's fine. But when they put on Western Conference regular season champions, that's that was pretty dumb. And P.K. Subban was made sure and made that pretty clear. And it was just kind of funny the way P.K. was about it, too, because P.K. Subban is arguably the most enigmatic player in the NHL today. I can't think of one that's anywhere close. He's so, he's very outgoing. He's very talented, still. And he's not afraid to, not afraid to talk. He is, I guess you could say, like, the, I don't want to say like the Marcus Stroman of the Blue Jays, but he's not afraid to speak what's on his mind, and that's what makes him entertaining. Remember, he had that whole talk show around the All-Star break, and everyone's like, oh, this is hilarious, because, well, PK being PK. Listen, if PK's not, PK's going to be in broadcast when his career's over. It's going to be great. I mean, I'm not, he's, he's today's Jeremy Roenick, I could say. Now, does that mean in about 20 years from now, he's going to be an annoying guy that works for NBC? Probably, but... For now, he's an entertainment to listen to and to watch. I am just so intrigued to see how... I mean, obviously, New Jersey, all the Devils fans already embrace him because he's making it clear that he's playing for the Devil. He's playing for New Jersey. Despite the the Tri-State area, the Tri-State area where he's at, the market that he's near, he wants it to be clear that he's playing for the red and black. And this Devils team that is on the rise, and I say that wholeheartedly, they just need a goaltender, but wholeheartedly mean this team is on the rise. He is excited to play for this team. He wants to play for this team in New Jersey. That is where his, I guess, where he could really become a leader on this hockey club. On a team that really does not have too many. I mean, you have Taylor Hall, 
But in terms of veteran presence, they really don't they do not have a lot. Remember, of course, Taylor Hall, PK Subban came out of juniors together, played on the world junior teams together. So these guys have that previous relationship from playing together back in their younger days. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Smash Fest 8 happened yesterday in Toronto. Smash Fest, for those who not know, put on initially by Dominic Moore a few years ago, raising money for rare cancer research and concussion research as well. Dominic Moore, former NHL. I hate to say the word former NHLer because he's still trying to make it, but for former full-time NHLer, former Ranger, former Boston Bruin, former Toronto Maple Leaf, former any team under the sun they've played for. And it's, it's a really good event. It's like I said, it's the eighth year they've put it on. It's pretty much, like I said, a charity event where NHLers come out and play ping pong against each other. And, of course, Steve Dangle there, Faisal Kamis was there from Sportsnet. TSN was covering it as well. So a lot of, it's a big media hub because, A, it's for a great cause, and B, it's a real good opportunity to get kind of the first words of the summer from a lot of these NHLers. A lot of Leafs, of course, there because it's in Toronto. You know, you had Ben Harper was there even. I mean, Alex Kerfoot really getting his first First or second taste, I guess you could say, in front of the Toronto media. By the way, for all those that are curious, Alex, you can't call him Alex Kerfoot. It's Alexander Kerfoot. He likes to use the Alexander. Unlike my usual host on this show, Alex likes to be called Alex. If they call him Alexander, he doesn't like it. You got to call Alex Alexander Kerfoot. I got to start saying that now if we're talking about the Leafs. So I just have to make that pretty clear. It was, a, it was another, it was a great turnout. It was raised over a million dollars, which is huge. I mean, that, that's, that's awesome. I think it's the most they've ever had, Dominic Moore said. And Moore was talking about, when he was asked about the media, and he was on Tim and Sid talking about it, he said that he's actually had offers to put Smash Fest on in not just one location, but other locations, multiple locations. They were looking at going to, there's apparently been offers from Los Angeles, New York, Montreal, Vancouver. This could really turn into... I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of a good comparable to it, but this could be a, become a continental-wide event. Multiple locations, money raised up the wazoo. You know, similar to how, remember we had Steve Dangle on last fall talking about the Easter Seals hockey tournament, the Eric Lindros one. That's not the only Air celebrity hockey classic for Easter Seals. There's Eric Lindros, Dennis Marouk puts another one on. There's all ones across Ontario, across Canada. Across Ontario in particular, excuse me, that's where I read on and have looked at before and have done research on. But having this event, which like I said, raises a, it's for a great cause. It obviously shows it can raise a lot of money. It can go across the continent, across Canada, across the United States, you know, international, maybe a little bit of a stretch right now, but for now it's for, for what it is. It's very interesting. It's, it's a great event. It's fun. To, everyone loves going to it because it's, it's a lighthearted setting obviously you know you have reporters going and asking some tough questions like people asking frederick anderson about load management and he was like oh here we go play you know going up to him asking oh what about mitch marner what about tyson berry so on and so forth because obviously like i said it's in toronto so the leafs get the heavy questions or leafs players at least get the heavy questions ben harper even coming out and trying to defend cody cc which everyone all leafs nation said who cares but there were some kind of fun points. Luke Fox wrote a nice little piece on on sportsnet.ca. A couple beats with uh, Mark Shifley. Mark Shifley, for those that don't remember, I don't know if we mentioned it on the show, a little over a month ago, he was helping out at a, at a youth hockey camp, minor hockey camp. 
and they're doing a scrimmage. And Shifley had a breakaway. <laughs> Shifley gets a breakaway, and you, you got to look up the video. It's hilarious because this is how everyone reacts. Shifley winds up and takes a clapper and goes bar down on this eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid in net. And first time I saw it, I just laughed because it's just him winding up and blasting. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, the kid could have been hurt, whatever. You could have hurt him. Listen, Mark Shifley's an NHLer. If a guy's going to take a clapper, he knows where he's going with it. It's the NHL. There's not, and the way that the score that Shifley is, people should not have been worried. It's funny. He actually put up, he, they asked him about the question, even though it's way after the fact. He said that, you know, the, the goaltender was way off angle. He's like on one, he left the whole side of the net wide open. He was, he made sure that he wasn't going to hit him. So on and stuff like that. So had it been like an ECHL guy doing that, uh, there could have been a disaster. <laughs> Just put it that way. But Shifley was all fun about it. And, the kicker, so one of the best parts is, of course, if those that do not know, Bar Down, TSN's Bar Down, Jesse Pollock, he's one of their, I would say, a lot more audible members. He's one of their guys you see on videos all the time on YouTube. He's one of their contributors as well. He was in the scrum with Mark Shifley and Jesse Pollock, who's from Winnipeg, huge Jets fan, of course. He asked Mark Shifley to sign his face because he's just a huge Jets fan and whatnot. And Mark Shaffley initially said no. I'm like, maybe if you're a kid or something like that at first. And Jesse's like, oh. Later on, though, they got a video of him trying to sign Jesse's head, but Jesse was apparently sweating too much. So Jesse actually got his head signed by Mark Shaffley, just like he wanted. However, Luke Fox, I don't want to say being ignorant or trying to avoid noting the competition. Obviously, TSN and Sportsnet are fighting rivals. No, not fighting rivals, but they're, they're... Com- they're competing brands, competing media brands in Canada. He made say said oh, an an H or a an adult Winnipeg Jets fan asked him to sign his face, and I was like, he is a member of the media. You could say that, but obviously you don't want to, you know, I guess promote your competition. So I can see why he did that. But you could say a member of the media. But I thought it was funny that he that Luke Fox kind of. I don't say ignored him, but then Mark Shifley made it clear that Mark Shifley was not going to sign his face, but then he did it up anyways. <sighs> I just, that was one of the funny points of the night. Another one that Luke, apparently, according to Luke Fox, there was obviously food at this event, Smash Fest, and <laughs> Luke Fox was make sure, made sure it was known that poutine tastes better smothered in mushrooms and bacon. I agree. Here, here. Uh, poutine, for all of you who do not know, is French fries, cheese curds, and gravy. Adding mushrooms and bacon just sounds delicious. Yes, it is still the morning and breakfast here, but you can have poutine for breakfast. I'm not saying it's a healthy way to start the day, but guess what? There's a lot of things that you go to, like fast food restaurants and people that go to IHOP or Cracker Barrel. Like That's not healthy either. So having poutine for breakfast, let's be honest, it just adds to the list. Hey, there's bacon. It's got to be breakfast food, right? And the winner for the fifth straight year is Patrick Eves. Patrick Eves of the Anaheim Ducks, uh, very, of course, now known for his very thick beard, thick with two C's at the end of it, the way his beard is. He wins it again. And the funny story about Patrick Eves is that he, he kind of his career, is it not his career, his season kind of ended a little short with post-concussion syndrome because he's had injuries before, he's had concussion issues before, and one of the things that helped him kind of rehabilitate was playing ping pong. 
and he made it clear, you know, because obviously you can't really track things with your eyes at first when you're coming back out of a concussion, and it kind of ruin. I don't say ruins, but it hinders it hinders your hand-eye coordination. So having the ability to simply just kind of track the you know the ping pong ball where you're playing, it kind of helps your eyes get back to work. So I'm and I'm not saying right now saying oh yes everyone all these kids should stop training and stop running and trying to do all this hockey intelligence stuff just go out there and play ping pong. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is you know it helped you track goal goaltenders specifically. And I'm saying this from experience. And yes, this is a guy on a podcast in a basement somewhere who did not make it in pro hockey, but. You know how goaltenders try to train by using racquetballs? If you're sitting there, you know, kind of just hanging out and you have a ping pong table, flip the table up and take it with your, whatever your non-catching hand is, hit it and catch it. Hit it off the table and catch it. Just track it. You work on tracking with your eyes. It helps and you learn and you can make it interesting by using different color ping pong balls and, you know, obviously using white ones and putting like a white background on the table. It's, it helps with your hand-eye coordination, how to track it going all the way in. It helps train your brain to watch it better. And you can, obviously, the harder you hit the ping pong ball, the harder it comes back at you. It's just, it's a very interesting way to train. It's not just lifting weights, running for miles, doing sprints. No, and going on the ice, it's not just that. There's more to it. In order to become a fully complete player or goaltender, there are certain ways to train. Now, I'm not going to bore you all with lecture on how to become a good goaltender because, first of all, I am not qualified for that. Second of all, it would bore everyone to death because everyone will just stop listening to the show because what does this kid know? He's doing a podcast. He's a play-by-play broadcaster because he couldn't make it playing hockey. Well, these are from my experience, and I I like to think I was almost there, but obviously didn't make it. However, there are ways to learn to different to change the game. Don't forget, the Soviet Union became famous not because they were a dominant hockey team, but how they trained. They trained differently. From how the usual, you know, put on your skates, skate a few times up and down the ice, and you're good. No, they cha- they evolved in how to, to train in hockey, how to become a better hockey player, be a more physical specimen. So this is kind of more or less just, like I said, hitting a ping pong ball up against the wall and coming back at you. It's just a way to learn, just a way to evolve training, change the game. Put it in. I'm going to write a book, guys. It's going to become how to cha- how to train. Like, how to train to be a hockey goaltender by doing everything that they've never told you to do. What do they not tell you to do? You got to train. You got to run. You got to be able to squat, deadlift. Sidney Crosby deadlift 600 pounds. So should you. Your hips should. Your hips and your glutes should be massive. Whatever, yada, yada. No, there's different ways to train, guys. There's always different ways to train. It just does it affect you on the ice is the question. Let me tell you right now, bicep curls, they don't help you on the ice. I mean, you can do calf raises all you want, but I'll be honest with you, they kind of weigh you down a little bit. You got to work on explosion. Doing just basic squats, they don't help you. Doing single leg squats, that's what helps you. Lunges, that's what helps you. Single leg stuff, because that's what helps with your explosion, helps with your skating. Enough about me talking about how to train to be a hockey player. I know it's summertime and such like that. Maybe next year we'll have a, we'll have a training coach come on, strength and conditioning coach come on and talk about players. Maybe we'll do that this year. Who knows? Plenty of time left in the season. Talk about it. Anywho, one thing that was been released very recently. The new NHL 20 beta. Hello, Chell. It's Chell season, ladies and gentlemen. 
Welcome back, all you video game nerds out there like yours truly, or by that I mean anyone who has time to play video games like yours truly. You obviously see some uh, changes this year for NHL 20. First of all, Austin Matthews on the cover. We talked about that before. Thumbs up. Even though the photo looks a little weird, it could have been done better, but nonetheless. Some obvious changes. One, NBC is not the broadcaster, quote-unquote. Or it's not on the broadcast. It's not an... Is, it, NBC is not part of the broadcast this year for NHL 20. It is actually... Well, Ray Ferraro stays on board. However, it's James Sabolski of Vancouver, Sportsnet Vancouver, joining on the broadcast. He's done it before, and obviously he's on the radio, so he's a very viable candidate to be on doing the broadcasting for a very well-known video game. And the kicker is obviously, of course, Ray Ferraro, who works for TSN, and James Sabolski works for Sportsnet. Sabolski did work for TSN at one point, but now he works for Sportsnet. Just having the two together is odd. But then again, Ray Ferraro is a contracted employee of TSN. But it is, that was kind of funny. However, some, kind of, some things talking about the beta that I have picked up on. Well, one thing I think was great is no more NBC, so you don't have Eddie Olchek on there. You don't have Doc Emmerich. I mean, I play with the game muted anyways, but hearing highlights, and it just sounds better to hear them talk. With that said, some people that were playing the beta who were kind of to record and post on Twitter and Facebook, notice that for some games, at least maybe online stuff, the sound quality of the broadcast sounded a little fuzzy. It sounded like like it was like slowed down. It sounded like it was lagging. And here's what I'm going to say right now, folks. Everyone complained about how bad the beta is. Just remember, it's called beta for a reason. <laughs> The developers still have time to fix it. But that said, there were some issues with the sound quality and so on and so forth. The goaltending intelligence, which was going to be a huge new addition to the game. Goaltenders that are directing rebounds and, you know, better save selection. I guess AI doing a better job of being a better goaltender instead of just kicking out rebounds for no good reason. There were a couple of clips I saw from uh, players on Twitch, players streaming games online of goaltenders that were trying to direct the puck into the corner. So, I, okay, goaltending, once again, talking here. So, if you hate goaltending, whatever. But a goaltender goes on a butterfly and tries to redirect with the stick, go into the corner, trying to redirect the rebound into the corner, up into the glass, ramped up the stick. It's a great idea. I love the idea because as a goaltender, and especially playing shell, you see goaltenders just kick out rebounds right in front of the net with their pad. And yet, you, I do that, and you know, I was doing that in high school. My goalie coach was making me do laps and making me do up downs just because of the fact that how bad my rebound control was. The NHL goaltenders in a video game were worse than that. But now the developers of the game in EA Sports tried to make it better by having goaltenders have proper save selection. However, according to some clips I saw yesterday, the goaltenders still having issues. Why? Because when they try to do the movement of deflecting the puck in the corner. The stick gets reached out, and it goes off like the heel, the back end of the stick, and goes into the net. They literally deflect the puck into their own net. So, something to work on there, EA Sports, because obviously there are some issues with that, having to actually get the goaltenders to actually direct it correctly. But, however, there are some... Oh, actually, no, I got it, I forgot this part. So, Casimir Kaskaswo, Casimir Kaskaswo, I still can't say his name right. 
of the Toronto of the Toronto Marlies and the Toronto Maple Leafs organization had a Twitch stream last night. Yes, everyone, NHLers have they play video games, they do Twitch. It's a thing. I was watching it briefly because I really had nothing else going on last night. Kaskiswell was creating a goaltender for World of Chill, which I'll be honest with you is okay if you have actual good Wi-Fi. I currently do not. I'm gonna work on that, but he was creating a goaltender, and when he was trying to create him, he so all goaltenders, I guess, when you're doing it, basically, when you start, catches with the right hand. Catches with the wrong hand, actually. So he flips it over to the left to catch with his left hand because he's creating himself. And for some reason, the game, the system, forgets to switch the blocker and glove. It was catching, well, it, it, excuse me, it forgot to switch the stick. So the glove was holding onto the stick while the blocker was pretending to be the glove. And Kaskiswell was just confused as all get out. He was like, what in the world? Like, what is happening, guys? Because obviously you can not you can catch with a blocker, but it's not ideal. So EA Sports, once again, something to fix. However, one part of the game that everyone seems to like, the shooting, the skating, the hitting are a lot more realistic. The skating engine, which is get, continually gets improved every year, was once again improved even more. The shooting is a lot more realistic. The one-timers, how do players, the AI has to adjust. Apparently, play, players that were using the beta like that a lot. And the hitting as well. The hitting is a lot more realistic. I think the hitting is just getting better every year. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm one of those players that when my brother and I play together. We, we go to penalties. We turn off. We turn down charging a little bit. We turn down boarding a little bit because we like to go into the corners severely hard like a bunch of wild peewee kids going up headhunting. Trust me, last year when they... I don't say when they showed... When they, I don't want to say showed high hits, but when you could hit someone high, it kind of was like, wow, this is really realistic. When you can hit a guy in the shoulder and he does a full 360 like that, not a glitch 360 where he flies up in the air. I'm talking like a legit, you know, ass over tea kettle spinning around kind of a high hit. That's when you know the game's getting more realistic. So I'm going to, this is all what I've been viewing around the social media, around videos online. I'm going to do what I always do and I wait until the full game gets released. A lot of people still don't like it. People think it's going to be, it should only be a $40 game that that's garbage. You know, the game has not improved in 20 years, yada, yada, yada. But you're, you're trying to find it's, it's how am I going to describe this? The developers at EA sports are trying to develop a video game, a virtual realistic game into the closest thing to reality as possible. So people who sit on their couches all day can play. They can almost feel like they're in the NHL. That's not how it works, guys. It's a video game. They're, now, yes, compared to, you know, to go to NHL 09, how realistic the game is now compared to what it was 10 years ago. It's made leaps and bounds. It's so much better. But the fact of the matter is, is that the game will never be perfect. Yes, everyone talks about how tripping is still so easy. By the way, if you trip a guy on a, on a breakaway with the net empty... It's an automatic goal. They finally put that in the game. That's a big point. But they're trying to make the game more and more realistic. They're trying to do the best they can. And this is not a sympathy towards EA Sports developers. Because trust me, there are a lot of things I like change as well. But the fact that they're act that the game is more real than it's ever been, and there are some people that, as much as they want the game to be real, they would like some form of, of an arcade feel. 
that's why when NHL three on three arcade came out with, I believe it was NHL 10 was such a huge hit because it was, Hey, it just hit the guy, big explosions, big heads. It took you back to the days of NHL like 2002 when the game was not realistic. It was just big hits and big heads and goaltenders getting blasted by pucks. NHL hits. It was great. But now you're trying to make a game so realistic that yes, there will be flaws. Because yes, as much as leaps and bounds we've had with computers, you've had issues trying to get everything to be realistic. And it may never happen. You may never be able to fully develop a game into full realism. Maybe we will. It'll probably take a long time, though. The game is, you're trying to fine-tune a video game into becoming a real, into becoming reality. It's going to take a while. Because don't forget, just look at the fact. 20, pardon me. 25 years ago, there was a game called Angel 94. In a quarter of a century, you've taken a 16-bit Sega console game, or any or Super Nintendo for those other folks. You've turned it into a two-dimensional screen, 16-bit, into the most realistic game you possibly ever could create. That's how far technology has came. It probably will never happen. It'll probably never be fully realistic. It'll make everyone mad forever. Just like, you know, politics, other things on social media. That will happen, okay? But the fact of the matter is that the game is the best it's probably ever been. The most realistic it's ever been. You're trying to create... You're trying to create computers to become humans and animations to become human as human as possible. It is very difficult to do that. However, it's another year, another game. I'll still buy it, just like I have every other year. But even though much, much to the chagrin of other folks in my life, but I'll still do it because I'm curious to see how the game looks and how the game plays. Because you want to know why? If it's in the game, it's in the game. Uh, let me get out my checkbook so I can give eSports the copyright and all that stuff. But while I'm doing that, folks, please use the hashtag TheCuelPodcast to talk about this episode and tweet us at TheCuelPodcast and tell us what you think of SmashFest, of all the arbitration signings, of P.K. Subban talking smack about the Predators, and what you think of the NHL 20 beta. I'm interested to see what you guys want to hear about. Thank you, folks, once again for listening to another episode of The Kuehl Podcast. We'll probably do another one earlier next week, so probably a few days from now just because it's hard to do one every Saturday. I mean, I usually don't have Saturdays off like this, so it was kind of cool to do it on a Saturday morning like this. Obviously, no more Saturday morning cartoons, or at least in my eyes, they're not as good as they used to be. So, with that, thank you very much. I'm Tyler Kuehl, the insider of the insiders. Thank you once again, folks, for listening to another episode of The Kuehl Podcast. Goodbye! Goodbye!